You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Inflow with Soul. Today, my guest is Amy McClendon, and Amy is the executive director of the Laurel Faith and Action Nonprofit Group. This nonprofit group supports residents in that local area, 60 and older, to maximize their autonomy and independence. Amy has also um, had experiences at she's an ordained minister. She's been in the retail business. She's been in the banking business. She brings a wide um, breadth of experience to this conversation about entrepreneurship. Amy, I'm really grateful to have you on the show today. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So before, as we were warming up here today, I I made the comment to you that, you know, I don't get to talk to a lot of, um, I'll say, religious entrepreneurs, those that go into the ministry as their entrepreneurship. And I would really like to learn more from you about what that experience is like. Running um, a church is pretty much like running a business, unfortunately. Um, You have your bills, you have your budget, you have the expectations. But you also have to know that it's not about the money. It's about the people. It's about the faith. And there's a fine line to walk um, when you're serving the church, whether um, you're, you're always talking about getting the money in or is it should you be talking about getting the ministry out? And that's okay. the, the line that makes it really hard for a lot of religious entrepreneurs because we are people-based. Mm-hmm. where when you go get your MBA or you get your, your business degree and you're all about the business, it's all about the bottom line. Right. And it's the, the thinking for a lot of us is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that by taking care of the people and taking care of the calling to which we're, we're serving, mm-hmm. the bottom line will take care of itself. Yeah. And I'm never surprised that that doesn't happen, you know, when, when we're what we're supposed to do. So, you know, and that's also a message that I, I like to talk about with my bottom line people, right. Mm-hmm. Who are building a business based on the bottom line. Cause it's, it is still about serving. You're still serving, whether you're delivering a product or a service. And, and I believe that too, uh, that even I'm not a religious based service, but I believe that when I serve my clients, mm-hmm. the way that I'm been called to do the, the profits will come. Yeah. And service is number one. And you can look at customer service, um, being it on the phone, being it for a regular business, um, having run a bank, having run a retail store. 
uh, customer service was always very high in my priority or mm-hmm. working with the, um, the church. And that customer service mindset helps you to be able to um, have those conversations and understand where someone's coming from and, and what their true needs are. And then you're able to serve them a lot easier. And one of the things that was really very interesting for me in the church is when I came in, um, it was truly a male-dominated profession. Sure. So it was very interesting um, how I was treated by a lot of people when I would go out with a colleague. Because when we were going into unknown areas, we would always go in teams, just for safety reasons. But when I would go out with a colleague, they would always talk to him and assume I was the secretary, where I was actually the senior in the pair. Interesting. it's um, it's very interesting the way that our society looks at um, religions and looks at gender um, mm-hmm. as we go through life. And it, it can make things a little more challenging, but I like to look at challenges, you know, as opportunities. So sure. it's always been fun. So tell me a little bit about how you got into the ministry in the first place. I love to hear backstories. So you you had a very uh, well banking mm-hmm. real real realty. I'm yeah. having trouble with words today. That's okay, uh, retail shops, right? Yeah. So that's bottom line, and and like you say, customer service. Yeah. Uh, tell me about this path. When I was probably 17 years old, I felt called into the ministry. And I went to my pastor at that time and he said, oh, honey, you're mistaken. Oh, um, you can't do that. Because and I was like, okay. Um, and I was very put back. He goes, we are not, we do not have women serving in the pulpit. Okay. So I went, okay. So I went ahead and I did my Sunday school teacher routine and then, you know, worked in the secular world, got married, had my family. And when I turned, I guess it was about 42, Mm -hmm. um, I got this urge again, um, deep down within that just kept saying, you need to pursue this. So I started to pursue it and people who are a little bit skeptical of the religious community will probably say, oh, yeah, right, sure. But I went to a training and this lady comes up to me and I didn't know her. And she said, I have to say this to you. And she said, you're probably going to think I'm crazy. She said, I have this overwhelming feeling that I have to tell you to say yes. Wow. And at that training was when I was, making my decision whether or not I would go into the ministry. Of course. Um, So I still get goosebumps. Yes. (laughs) But um, I did say yes. And um, I went to seminary. I got my master's of divinity. Uh, I am ordained, but um, I served churches for many years. But then my health took a little bit of a turn. So I had to step away from that position. Um, When you are a caregiver and you have that caregiver mentality, and a lot of times that's what a minister is. You're a caregiver to about 500 people. It's a lot. So 
it can drain you pretty quickly um, unless mm-hmm. you learn how to say, okay, this is my boundary. You know, I know I'm here to serve you, but I need to take care of me. Right. And unfortunately, it took me a while to learn that. Um, but the, the church overall, um, I went through the process as, as a junior pastor, as a senior pastor, and it's, it was an absolutely wonderful experience. And I'm still serving today. Mm-hmm. I still get phone calls. You know, can you please do mom's funeral? She loved you. Or can you please yeah. marry us? Cause you baptized us, you know, that kind wow. of thing. So it's, um, it's truly a wonderful calling and a, a wonderful journey. So you're, you're talking about, um, the boundaries, right? And needing to put boundaries around yourself when you're serving so many other people. I, I'm curious, like, is that part of the curriculum for ministry? Do they talk to you about these kinds of things? Or is this one of those things that you learn once you get on the job? I think now it's much more um, prevalent in the curriculum. When mm-hmm. I went, not so not much. So much. Um, it was more about how to be ever present, how to be, you know, open for everyone. And there wasn't so much about, okay, you need to take care of you so that you mm-hmm. can take care of them. Okay. Um, I have on continuing education and the different things that I'm still currently doing, there's a lot more um, talk about an emphasis on making sure that you take the time off that you need, that you okay. that you aren't totally pouring your pitcher out into someone's glass without your own pitcher being refilled. Um, okay, good. The water and wine kind of uh, sure. analogies. So it's it's a very uplifting thing that they're now seeing is so important because pastors believe it or not historically have a very high rate of depression interesting um and you would people would think that that's not the case but it's because we take everybody's problems on sure for ourselves but there's not a person per se that we can really go and tell everything to now we mm-hmm. go and tell it to to god Mm-hmm. Um, and and all of that, and that's wonderful. But it it still does weigh upon yourself. Yeah. Uh, so it's we have a, there's a very high depression rate for pastors and policemen. I guess is the the two ones yeah. they say. Right. Yeah. So this was a lesson that sounds like you had to learn the hard way. I learned it the very hard way. Um, okay. I had a stroke. That's a hard uh, way. Yeah. So I was at a board meeting. For the one church, because I served a couple churches, a cluster. I was at a board meeting. I went home, wasn't feeling well, and had a stroke that night. Um, and then in the next couple months, I had two more. Wow. So I had three strokes back in uh, 2015. Um, okay. I was unable to talk, unable to walk. Um, so at that point, it became necessary for me to step down from the pulpit because I was okay. unable to, you know, fulfill that role. Perform your duties, um, yeah. It took about a year for me to, to get back. And okay. in that time, I learned how important it is to take care of me um, and to not be so everything. Um, my okay. son used to tease me. 
he, he made me this cute red cape and had a great big yellow M on the back. And he said, that was my super minister's cape or my mm. super mom cape, whichever one I wanted. <laughs> okay. Okay. And he'd come in sometimes and he'd go, he'd say, mom, you look so tired. It's time to hang that cape up. And he'd take it over and put it in my closet. So Aww. unfortunately I didn't, didn't listen enough, but sure. um, I want everyone to know that don't wait until you have a stroke and you almost lose your life because I did. Yeah. Um, you know, the third one they said, told my family, I wasn't going to make it, but no kidding. that's not done with me yet. So, right. <laughs> um, so what, what did you learn about yourself then in that year of recovery? That I had to take time for me and it's okay to be me. It's, it's yeah. okay to be you in any cir circumstance. Whether you don't always have to be the best, you don't always have to be perfect, your house doesn't always have to be the cleanest, Yeah, um, it's okay to be you. And it, for me, that was really hard because I am a type A perfectionist mm. and I know it and I still am and I still fight it. <laughs> so, sure. Um, but it's okay not to be perfect. It's okay to make a mistake. Because when you make a mistake, as long as you learn something from it, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It's, it's a wonderful experience. And a lot of the knowledge that I've gained has come from maybe not doing things quite right, making that mistake and learning from sure. it. So if we can um, help each other and hold each other up, instead mm -hmm. of in our culture... Um, in this Western civilization that we're in, where our to-do list mm -hmm. is longer than humanly possible, right? Uh, if we could hold each other accountable for being realistic in our day yeah. and being realistic in our ideals of ourselves, I've been reading a book. It just came out this year. It's called Chatter. It's by Ethan Cross, and it's about the chatter that's in your head, mm -hmm. and about how that affects you in the way that you handle things, the way that you handle criticism, the way that you handle praise, the way that you handle hardship, and the way that you handle joy. It's this ongoing chatter mm -hmm. that is instilled in us from the time we're very little. Exactly. And if anyone gets a chance, and I'm very much into psychology, I love psychology. So this book, I have trouble putting it down at night, but uh, okay. very, very, it's a good read and it helps you understand why you think things the way you do and why certain things hit you the way they do. And it's, it's a very good read, but that is one thing that we all need to understand. When I was growing up, um, I was born in the sixties, so okay. I'm closer to 60 than I am to 50, but I would always be told if I got a, a, a B on something, why didn't you get an A? Right. Um, by one of my parents, not both. But okay. if, and that kind of instilled in me, I worked really hard to get that B, but it still wasn't good enough. So right. I think, you know, when I look back, that is the groundwork for that drive. I'm not yeah. going to say drive's a bad thing. Right. But we need so, to. Know. 
so it sounds like you started to tune into this inner chatter mm-hmm. and, and that's where you, you started to hear the patterns of, um, a bee's not enough, right? Whatever your bee work is now yeah. as an adult, right? Right. But it, you were able then to hear the echoes of, of five, six year old Amy yes. who was getting a B in school instead of an A. Right. And, and that experience is coming forward to today. It, it, it follows us and yeah. it's not, it's not just that it's, it's all throughout life. It's the pressure you put on yourself as well. Um, exactly. But what we need to make sure is that it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Challenges are opportunities. And when we have challenges that we just are falling short on, or we think that we can't make it, we need to look outside ourselves. We need to normalize those challenges, find others in the same situation, um, listen to best practices, seek out um, female friends or, or male friends that have gone through this. And that helps us all to understand it a little bit better and see that it, it's not quite so devastating that others have had this happen and they've gotten through it. Um, grief counseling, divorce counseling, um, loss of a child, loss of a parent. You know, these are all things that when we face them, they're overwhelming. Truly. But if we can talk with someone who can empathize and share what they did, um, their best practices, it, it really does help. Um, and all of us need to remember that we can't take care of anyone else. And I know I've said this before until we take care of ourselves. Right. So when I'm talking with any of my friends that know my mantra, I just say, it's time to put on your oxygen mask. Mm, they know okay. that they need to put theirs on first. Right. You know, when I see someone starting down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So what are the signals for you and with your body of knowing, okay, it's time for me to put my oxygen mask on? Unfortunately, um, when I took over with Laurel Faith in Action last January, I came on um, the organization, the nonprofit's been here for 20 years. I came on in January and trying to learn everything. And in March, the pandemic hit. So everything that I thought I had learned about what the organization has done was pretty much out. Didn't matter anymore, right? pretty much out the window. Yeah. I had to still find ways to help everyone and to continue to provide the services, continue to generate the revenue, continue to, you know, reach out into the community all in a time where we were actually, I had the kitchen, I had the um, computer server on my kitchen table. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I know that. So I, we were all using our cell phones. We were making upwards of five to 600 phone calls a week to make sure everybody was okay. Okay. Uh, and I continued just to run um, a race last year. Um, I had so much that I saw that needed done and I just kept going. So this past January, I suffered another stroke. Oh my. Um, so I was very blessed. I was bowling, so I was on the bowling okay. lanes, and uh-huh. I, I threw two gutters in a row, and I turned around, and my son was there, and he goes, what's wrong? And I couldn't talk. My wow. left side was completely gone. My face was drooping. Um, the medical profession has come a long way. I got to the hospital, was life-flighted to a, a stroke center, received the 
the clot buster drug. And 12 mm-hmm. hours later, I was walking and talking. Wow. I was able to get there. So yeah. um, recognizing the signs of that saved my life. And after that, recognizing, oh my goodness, I am back in my old habit, working 12-hour days, six days a week, not sleeping, not eating right. Right, right. Um, so I've changed. Um, okay. I work from home now, you know, a couple times a week. Uh, yeah. I don't do the 12-hour days. I'm delegating. You know, okay. it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to right. take help. Um, and I'm empowering my staff. Okay. Uh, I used to think that I had to have my eye on everything and my finger in everything. I think sure. most of us are like that. So this sure. Exactly. But I'll give my staff a task now. And I ask them to check in if they need something to bring okay. back the result. And I think if we can all learn to trust other people, to know that we are all gifted yeah. with so many talents and we weren't meant to do it alone or we wouldn't have, right. Adam wouldn't have had Eve. Right. We're meant to be in relationship and we're meant to count yeah. on each other and learning that and just putting that at the forefront right now um, just has brought everything back into perspective. So making, that's our, those are huge shifts. Right. When you're talking about coming from this uh, mindset of perfectionism and, and pro- I'm going to make some assumptions here that along with that, not only did you have to be perfect, but you had to do it perfectly yourself. Yes. I'm, you got it. I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got it. So the, the description that you have now that you just shared with us in terms of how you work with your team is, is like 180 degree yeah, shift. It is. What, what was that inner chatter or, or how did you work with that inner chatter? to re re set those expectations for yourself knowing that i almost died okay in that's pretty serious yeah knowing that i almost died knowing that if i continued on that path that i would die mm-hmm. um, and that that would make me not able to be here to do the things that i'm supposed to do uh, to continue to serve um, in the capacity that I'm called to serve. Right. Uh, to continue to be here for my grandsons and my so- yeah. my daughter and my son. So it it really took, I call it a two by four moment. It's like a two by sure. four upside yep. my head, sorry. Right. But it really took that to um, consciously be able to make that shift, to sit back. And I, I do have to say that when I was in the hospital getting ready to be released, I was talking with my board of director, the president, and I said, I'll be back next week. And he went, no, you won't. <laughs> right. Um, so I do have a lot of people to thank for mm-hmm. allowing me the time to recover both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So that I can be a whole person yeah. and that we, I can have this understanding that it's okay to be me in whatever capacity that is. And I want people to know that it's okay to be you. Yeah. If you have to, if you get really, really tired in the middle of the afternoon and you, and you can't function, it's okay. Go sit down, take a couple moments for yourself. Mm-hmm. 
the pressures that the world puts on us sometimes will push us beyond the point that we can do. And it's really important to understand that we have to listen. Now, I'm not saying to be lazy, you know, sure, I'm not, sure. you know in any way, shape, or form, because we all have things that we need to do. But we have to be able to do them in our own time, in our own way, at our own pace, right. with the help of others. Yeah, exactly. And, and something that you said here a minute ago, and I'm going to forget exactly how you said it, but it was um, referring to basically outside expectations, mm-hmm. like the expectations of other people. Yeah. Um, when you've made that shift for yourself from the perfectionist who's got to do everything by yourself to someone who's willing to accept failures and, and learnings along the way and, and to delegate more, um, what would you say to someone who says, well, that's fine for Amy, but the world is expecting this of me? What would you say to it's them? It's really good. I love to hear that you understand what the expectations are. But my question is going to be, are you happy? Mm-hmm. Are you healthy? What brings you joy in life? Where do you find your peace and your contentment? Is it in meeting that deadline? Yeah. Or is it in reading that book that you've, you've wanted to read or going and catching fireflies? I live in Western Pennsylvania, going catching fireflies yeah. with your grandkids. You know, yeah. We need to find that balance. And unfortunately, as women, we've been programmed for so long that you can do it all. You have yeah. to do it all. And it's time that we can look and say, I need help. I can't mm-hmm. do it all. Mm-hmm. And don't, I don't want anyone to have to get to the point where they have a stroke and are looking at maybe losing their life, losing their ability to talk and to walk, to have that, yeah. that catharsis, that, that you know, revelation. Uh, I just want everybody to realize that you are enough. Okay. We need to take that if only out of our vocabulary. If only I could be. Right. You are. And if only people would take that out. Yeah. We wouldn't have to put all of those added expectations on ourselves. Because we are more than enough. We are perfectly made. Every one of us, no matter what color, no matter what gender, no matter what religion, right. every one of us, it's wonderful to be exactly who you are and celebrate that. And it's so interesting because I think that part of our, our programming as women where we had to do it all, I'll speak for myself. Sometimes I, I don't think I really spent a lot of time figuring out who am I? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you'd mentioned right. Uh, a 42 was your yeah. kind of your turning age. And for me, 40 was also the year that I just said, I'm playing by my own, my own rules from now mm-hmm. on. Like I've played by the rules that I thought that I was supposed to be playing by. I ended up with a chronic illness as well, you know, as well. It was in that stress induced. Yes. Um, and yet it, it took. For me too, physical um, exacerbation of that particular condition to for me to say, 
I can't play around with this anymore. I can't just say, oh, wouldn't it be nice if, or someday I will. I have to do this now. Just seize the moment. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we're not, we're not promised tomorrow. And I know that's True. probably a very depressing thing to say, but we need to make everything um, in our now. Yeah. The best that it can be. Yeah. Because we are, we are so bogged down sometimes with, oh, I've got to do the laundry. Oh, I have to sweep the floor. I have to do the dishes. Yes, those things are important. Don't get me wrong. But if you don't do that, is someone going to die? Right, <laughs> really. exactly. How important, How important is, is this? Exactly. You know, if you have the chance to do something with someone you love or you have the chance to smile at someone or lend someone a shoulder or just be that person that can pull someone with you forward, mm-hmm. that ear, that empathetic ear, that's more important than the I'm too busy because I have. Right. I was going to ask you a question about, you know, this, this transition that you've made. And one of the things that I noticed for myself, and, and I'm curious to hear what your experience is with this, is that when I was in that space of where I've got to do everything this way and I've got to do everything by myself in, in order to meet these expectations of people, I wasn't even sure who they were, right? But somehow I had these expectations. I felt like I can't let this go or I can't I, I find someone else. I, there's no one here to help me. Like I really convinced myself that I was alone. And then when I made that transition, all of a sudden I found so many more resources. Mm-hmm. What was that a similar experience for you? Yes. When you, when you're in the mindset that you're the only one that can do it, you're not open to seeing other people's gifts. Yeah. And when I, I kind of got myself into the mindset that other people I need to lift people up. I need to empower people. Um, their gifts and their have just flourished. Um, we we have this uh, a large fundraiser coming up for our nonprofit, and being that the COVID pandemic made it that we can't do it in person, we're going virtual. This is our okay. first year, so it's and I'm a little bit old school. I'm not the up on all of the new computer stuff. I'm pretty okay. But sure. So I have two amazing women working with me who just continually amaze me with, I will say to them, okay, I would like to see this. And before you know it, it's being emailed to me in perfect. It's like yeah. they were inside my head. So wow. yes, you, once you are willing to let go and allow others to shine, yeah. you can bask in that glow because you're allowing them to shine and you're lifting them up. And their yeah. success is your success. Right. Because there's no I in team. We're working together. And it's, it's just a wonderful opportunity. And in working with a lot of time, a lot of women who have worked um, in different avenues, it's hard sometimes because they're so used to the authoritative style of delegation. You do this and you do it this way. Right. You do this and I want it space this. I want Times New Roman. I want this. I want this. You know, the whole nine yards. And when you talk to someone and say, what do you think? Mm-hmm. 
it's like you're pulling their safety rug out from under them for a while. Exactly. So it takes a while to build someone up. And a lot of it has to do with self-confidence, self-assuredness, positive reinforcement. These are all things that we need to work on um, as humans, as women, Mm -hmm. as we work together. It never ceases to amaze me how quickly I can see a woman knock another woman down. Right. Not physically. And I just step back and I'm like, and then we'll talk about it. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Right. Without realizing that our words have the power of a sledgehammer, you know, a lot of times spirits can be broken. So it's okay to be me, but I can't be, if I'm angry, if I'm frustrated, I need to step back. Right. Because you don't deserve that. That's right. Me. That's not you. So. That was, I think one of my big uh, developmental experiences was really um, owning my experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for years I was taught, you know, you got to be responsible for your own experience. And I thought I was, but when I, got to that level where something outside of me triggered, let's say, frustration. I would say, well, it was that person or that situation that created frustration within me. And now what I see is there was that experience. They were doing their thing. I interpreted that in such a way, according to, again, the programming that that I have the, my own belief system about what, how I wanted to show up or, or what I wanted to have happen. And it wasn't happening that way. So the frustration was mine. It didn't come from that other person. The no. frustration came from me. And when I really realized that, oh my gosh, they didn't make me upset. They didn't make me frustrated. I did that all by myself. It's a now I can take, it's a choice. That was powerful for me. Because when I would get mad at, you know, because, you know, we do, (laughs) right? Somebody said something and it it feels crossways to me or sideways to me. The more that I said, well, it was that other person and made them responsible for it, then I didn't have to do anything. And which meant that the next time they were going to, it was going to happen again. And so that's coming back to being okay with being me. Right. I'm okay that sometimes I get frustrated when these things happen. We all, their fault. we all get frustrated. We all get mad. The yes. big thing is, how do we choose to deal with it? Right. Do we say, oh, I'm perfect. I would never do anything wrong. That's your fault. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we'd love to. Get, sure. Get that blame, but we can't. We yeah. have to choose to look, what part did I have in this? What did, you know, what was said, what was done, what was not done, what was not um, taught. You know, there could right. be a lot of ways. And choosing, I, I, one of my big things is, I put it out a lot, is we live in a world where we have millions of choices. Right. We can choose where to live, who to love, what to believe, you know, what to drive, what to eat. Choose happiness. Choose mm-hmm. kindness. And the choice, other choices in your life will be much more fulfilling if we can look at everything in that. 
And I, I don't look at life in rose-colored glasses. I mm-hmm. see the pain I, and have the hardships like everyone else. Right. I just choose happiness mm-hmm. and choose joy. Now, that's not that easy. Right. Um, you know, I mentioned that I had had strokes and right. they affected the part of my brain that handles anxiety. So I do have anxiety issues. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that, you know, it's okay to be me. I have it. I know right. I have it. If I get anxious, I'll work with it. Right. You know? So we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thankfully at, oh. at night, one of the things like for my anxiety issues, one of the things that I like to do at night, I do a blessing journal or a, okay. a joy journal there. I've, I've heard them called both things. Okay. Um, I write down three things that brought me joy that day or that I found was a blessing that day. It could be something as simple as seeing a butterfly mm-hmm. or as monumental as talking to an old friend or, you know, whatever brought you joy or peace that day, put it in that journal. And then when I start to feel myself getting anxious or frustrated or, you know, just need that pick me up, I can go look at that blessing journal. Sure. And, you know, a lot of times I will see that those very things happened that day, but I just chose not to see them. Because yeah. I'm otherwise occupied. I was going to ask you if that practice has primed your mind to see more of those experiences now that you have a habit of writing them down. I've always um, been looking at blessings. My grandma, when I was a little girl leaving home to go to school in the morning, grandma would always say, be a blessing to someone today, Amy. So okay. that was what I heard every day for 12 years going to school. Aww. So. Um, I was always really attuned to blessings, but yes, I think with writing them down, I'm more conscious of them. Yeah. You know, to me, when I hear a baby cry, that's a blessing. You know, it's just a lot of people, you know, are, oh, can't you keep that kid quiet? No, it's such a blessing. Mm -hmm. It's such a miracle to see that baby. Um, You know, anything, like I said, a butterfly, a bird, a flower. a smile from a stranger. And yeah. there are so many things that we are blessed with each day that we take for granted. Yeah, we, we overlook them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we just walk on by. Yeah. And it's... So how has this practice contributed to your healing then? I think um, it lets me know that I'm surrounded by good. Mm. even when I don't see it. Okay. When I look, when I sit back and I'm in one of those moods and we all get in them. Yeah. Well, the world is bad and everybody's out to get us. That right. <laughs> um, I have this book where it says just the opposite. Mm-hmm. That I'm surrounded by good. That I'm surrounded by blessings and joys. I just have to see them. And yeah. I think that really has helped tremendously um, in, in allowing um, a shift and allowing, you know, other people to shine and 
me not being so afraid to let it happen. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us today. I'm, I'm seeing these kinds of transformations just in a new light. And I think for me, that light today is that when we start accepting who we are and, and believing that we are enough, that then drops our defenses. We can now start to see the resources that have always been there for us. Mm at our fingertips. Now I can see them. And oftentimes those blessings are other people. And the more that we become okay with who we are, we're now showing up in a way that it's okay for them to be who they are. And this is how we perpetuate. Instead of knocking each other down, this is how we build up one another. And that's super powerful. It is. Allow others to lift you up. Yes. Yes. That too. others up. And if we can do that, we'll all know that it's okay to be me. Yeah. I think it's, it's a wonderful way to, to try to work together because uh, alone we can't do it together. Truly. I, I know I've tried my best to yeah, do it alone. And uh, <laughs> it's on the, just not um, gotten the way to go. On the homepage <laughs> of our website for the nonprofit, it's together we can move mountains. So, yeah. You know, you know, and I've and I've heard those slogans before, but I'm again, I'm hearing them uh, in a different light now. I think I'm feeling it at a different level. It's not just a clever little thing to say. It it's literally true. It's it's not just bumper sticker talk. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Amy, thank you for sharing your story with us today and and helping me grow and learn and and I'm sure that this message is also going to be relevant for our our listeners. Um, So thank you for sharing your heart. That's really, that is a blessing to all of us. (laughs) Thank you. And it's, it's been a blessing to be able to do that. Um, You know, just to let other people know that, you know, struggles don't have to be the end. Yeah, exactly. The beginning. So before we wrap up today, where can people find out more about the services that your nonprofit is currently providing and maybe how they can get involved? And, and if they're not in your area, maybe to know what to look for in their area. Well, we are Laurel Area Faith in Action, and we have a website. It's Laurel, L-A-U-R-E-L, F as in Frank, I-A, dot org. Um, and they can look on there and there are Um, testimonials. There's information about our upcoming um, event, which I want to hit on a little bit more. Um, There is um, information on how to become a recipient, how to be a volunteer. Uh, We serve those 60 and older in our like geographic area. And it does tell us that if you're not in my specific geographic area, there are faith in action organizations all over the country. Um, you could check faith in action in your area. Um, okay. You could check with the area agency on aging that services the area, and they would have the contact information as well. Um, we are non-medical. We're, we're total volunteer. We are driven by donations and grants. So that's why, you know, it's so important that we get our message out there, that people know we've been here for 20 years helping the elderly in our in our area stay home, be able to not have to go to the nursing home because they can't get groceries or they right. can't mow their lawn um, or they just need someone to talk to. 
mm-hmm. as we look at society today that that nuclear family that once lived under the same roof right. is now lucky if they're in the same country exactly so um, it's very important so if you could just uh, if you're interested in helping us out with our our mission and our vision um, we have a really exciting fundraiser coming up it's July 19th through the 23rd it's an online auction. We have many items and baskets that are available. Just go to our website and there'll be more information on there. So um, any help, any donation, any offer to volunteer is greatly appreciated because together we move mountains. We sure do. Amy, thank you again so much for sharing yourself with us today. Well, thank you so much. You have a great day. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.